So before we jump into this chapter this morning, guys, uh, Pastor Seth gave me a call this week. A lot of you guys know him. He was at uh, retreat again this last fall. Uh, he pastors up in the UP. We don't hold that against him. Um, <laughs> he and his wife, Carrie, are flying out today to Costa Rica, and they're going in. There's a, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a lot of trafficking that goes on in some of these countries in South America. Um, and he's going to be interviewing some of these kids and people who've come out of trafficking, making some videos, he's going with a few other pastors. Um, and he asked if we would pray as a church family just for their trip this week, that God would keep them safe in all of that and just give them favor where they're going. So why don't we uh, just take a minute and lift them up. And Father, we do thank you for our brother Seth and his wife Carrie and the opportunity you've given them, Lord, to go and to... Uh, really share your love, God, to bear testimony and witness of your goodness and freedom. And we do pray, Lord, just with the ministry they're partnering with and the other uh, pastors that are going to be heading down, that you would just protect them in that time, God, that it would be fruitful, that your will and your plan for that time would come uh, to pass and that you would just really do a great work there. And do just pray for those two also, just as husband and wife, Lord, that they would just really have uh, just a sweet time of fellowship together and serving together in a unique, different way than what they normally do. Just bless them good on this trip. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. So 2 Corinthians has been super cool. Last week we looked at chapter 8, which came around the principles of giving. And I know we have a few visitors here this morning. At Freedom, we just walk through the scriptures verse by verse. And it's so cool because eventually it gets to all the stuff God wants us to. And there's some passages of scripture that, hey, we don't want to deal with that. But I'm glad we're here this morning because I think when we consider giving, it's one of those things, if we grab a hold of generosity and really the spirit of giving, I think we're most like God. Do you guys know that in his nature, he is a giver. And I loved last week's study. If you missed it, you can go back and catch it online. But it really dealt with the principles of giving. This morning, as we look at chapter 9, it's going to look at the promises of giving. So both of these chapters deal with giving as a Christian grace. And I want you to catch as we go through this chapter six times the word grace comes up. So catch what grace giving is biblically. How many of you guys desire to have right thinking? And how many of you guys know that that comes biblically? It's what God says. So Paul explains for us it's a blessing and it's not a legal obligation to give. And I want you guys to catch there's three levels of giving. You have, you know, if it's a have to mentality, that's legalism, that's law, and that's a trip that a lot of churches put on people. Okay, and we're going to see that played out this morning in this chapter. If you have the attitude or the thinking of, hey, I ought to. That's an obligation. But what we want is to want to. And that's grace giving. And that is what we see biblically taught for us here this morning as we look at first or second Corinthians chapter nine. So if a Christian has a problem with biblical giving, it's really a heart issue. And if you have an issue with it, pray God would examine your heart this morning. 
that he would show you really what's going on, what the problem really is. Because it's not the money, it's not the act of giving or volunteering or helping your times, your treasures, your talents. Something's off in your heart and pray that God would show you. So on every important part that I need to reiterate from the previous chapter, I think verse 5 would probably be it. Because Paul there talks about giving is only referring to the believer. Okay, This is for believers in Christ. So they first gave themselves to the Lord, okay, the believers, and then to us by the will of God. So we get to give. I think that's a good mentality for us to have as believers. So we're going to look at giving to bless others. Let's look at the first five verses of this chapter. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Acacia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some, in Macedon- or some of the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a manner of generosity and not a, not a grudging obligation. Superfluous. Can you guys say that? Verse Very good. I practiced that word many times this week. I think I got it. It means to be on what is required. Need I say more? I wrote, or if I wrote any more on this relief offering for you, for the poor Christians, I'd be repeating myself. That's what Paul is saying. So, in chapter 8, verse 1, Paul used the Macedonian believers as an encouragement to the Corinthians. Now he uses the Corinthians to encourage the Macedonians. Do you guys see what's going on here? Okay. So giving really should be enthusiastic and contagious. Look at verse 2. Your zeal has stirred up the majority. So Christians ought to encourage one another in giving. Do you guys get pretty stoked when you hear about a brother or sister like, hey, I'm coming alongside this ministry They're helping in this way. They're building wells. They're helping support lawyers to come and speak in the courts against sex trafficking in these nations that are doing this. Hey, we're sending a box of goodies for Christmas presents to third world countries to kids who don't have any, and they're going to get to hear about the gospel. And we serve here and we give here because it's helping the poor and the needy right in our backyard, right here in the Fox Valley. Do you guys get stirred up when you see others giving? It is contagious. You want to be like, hey, that does sound cool. How can I jump in? How can I help in that way? You guys can jot down Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. We're exhorted to let us consider one another. And that's what we do when we gather together in order to stir up love and good works. 
I'm hoping this morning by the teaching and the preaching of God's word that the church is equipped. Equipped for what? All the good works that God has for his people, for the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing, getting equipped. Well, pastor, I came to church today just because I want to feel good. God loves you. Feel good. He died for you. It doesn't get much better than that. But because he does love us, and he's the great liberator, and we are to follow him. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we're going to get over our stuff. It's not about us. There's a world in need, guys. And we have the privilege. We get to serve, to give, to love. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So let's be stirred up well today. And then it says in verse 2 here, your zeal has stirred up the majority. Do you guys see the connection? This is what we do as a church. They're being stirred up. Or as the NIV has it, your enthusiasm has stirred up most of them to action. Let's be stirred up. So giving is to be a blessing and not a burden. Look at verse 5 again. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and to prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you have previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not a grudging obligation. Do you guys see that? Generosity. Okay, Give generously. How many of you guys own a t-shirt that says that on there? Okay, I like it zillion of those and i love it because it's a great reminder and they're super comfortable if you have one you know who i'm talking about so generosity really is a blessing so paul wanted them to look at this as an opportunity to be a blessing and to get a blessing and not to have a yoke around their necks so the idea here is to be ready with a gift and not something that is wrung around you so giving is always a blessing both to the receiver, it supplied their needs, right? Verse 12, and the giver, it is better to give than to receive. Do you guys see there's a blessing both ways that play out for you and I? Now, let's consider giving with a right heart because that's what matters to God. Look carefully as we look at verse 6 through 11 here. Okay, listen. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And as it is written... He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God." So giving works like a gardener, a gardener, okay? It's kind of like, how many guys garden? So if you're gardening, you know the principle. You sow, 
and you're going to reap something, right? It's going to grow. There will be produce. He says, but I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So Paul uses agricultural a metaphor for us to really illustrate this spiritual truth that he's trying for us to grasp, to understand, okay? Um, as did Solomon, okay, and also the greater than Solomon, Jesus, you jot down Proverbs Chapter 11, verse 24, it says this, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. And then Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So we've all driven, you know, by acres of grain. And how do they plant all of that? You know, I'm just amazed. How, how did they get all those seeds in there? Was it seed by seed? No. <laughs> okay. They use these massive distributors to get all that seed out there. One farmer once said, if you're ever going to be cheap, don't be cheap on the seed. One bushel of seed invested yields 30 bushels of grain harvested in a good year. 30 to 1. Think about that, guys. Not a bad return if you're ready to believe and if you're willing to invest. So giving is an investment in our eternal future. That's one thing I would love for us to grasp as believers, biblical believers, okay? It's an investment. Where are we storing up our treasure, guys? It's eternal things, guys. That's a good perspective. So, the bigger the investment, the greater the return. Reap bountifully, it says, with what? With blessings. Do you guys know that God is a blesser? He loves to bless his kids. That's just who he is. So God will be no one's debtor. Don't get that in your head. Well, if I give, then God owes me. That is not biblical thinking either, guys. Jot down Proverbs 19, verse 17. He who has pity on the poor, catch this, lends to the Lord. What? I can lend to God Almighty who owns everything? Everything is already his. There's actually something I can do to lend to God. Let's read it again. Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has been given. That's the word of God. I was so blessed Friday morning. I was hanging out at Kimberly High School. Casey must have taken off. Do you guys pray for Casey? She teaches English over at Kimberly High School, and she heads up. She uh, does the FCA group for the, the Christians on campus. They have Friday morning study group together, which is cool. So pray for those kids. Pray for her, that they would be a light and shine bright in that school. But I got to go and share about religious freedoms this last week with the kids. And as I was leaving that morning, I'm pulling out of Kimberly, and I see this truck 
pulling around, and there's this guy, Fred and Matt, that I have known seriously since I was a little, little guy. I grew up knowing these men. They're now retired, kind of like my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, you're retired 14 years ago. You need to come down to the Freedom Center Food Pantry and help, you know? And he's been, you know, sold on it and just won't leave uh, since then. He's, he's helping out big time with that. But I was so blessed just seeing these two early in the morning going, and they're picking up from all these different quick trips and different places, just all this food for these hundreds of families that really we get to serve every single week. Hundreds and hundreds of people are served through this ministry. And I've asked Joe this morning to come up and just share. She's our uh, pantry director, but she's going to share a little bit about the ministry and what God's been doing uh, through it over the last 14 years. So let's welcome Joe up. excited to see Lisa here. Um, she comes to the pantry often. She's with Feeding America, and it's just fun to see you this morning of all mornings. So anyway, um, yeah. Um, so it really has been a huge blessing and privilege um, over these years to watch God at work at the pantry. Oh, okay. I'm going to be like the other boomers and go, ah. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, to watch him at work, to, to have the privilege of being his hands and feet um, as we serve um, our neighbors and our community who are in need, we have really just been following his heart and his directive for the needy in our community. We opened, as Landon mentioned, our doors 14 years ago on January 27, 2010. It was um, right after that economic crisis in 2009 that later became known as the Great Recession. And um, right from the start, though, this has been God's thing. God started it. We follow his lead with the donation of the um, building, with just out of the blue, obviously it was the Lord's hand, and also with the many boxes of food we got from Feeding America to help get us started in those first few weeks. I mean, his the blessings were just there right from the start. And um, our mission there has always been to represent Jesus well to the people who come there, and the people that he cares so much about, um, and to really make it clear that this is all because of him. This is his thing that he's doing because he cares. He loves them. And um, over the years, we have seen many people come to faith in Jesus. And um, also... Um, we continue to see them receive comfort and encouragement through conversations and prayer with Chris at our prayer table and with other volunteers as well at the pantry. Um, 
I was looking back. I took this opportunity to look back at the numbers of people that we have really been privileged to serve over these 14 years and noticed that it, we had 12 people that first night we opened. And, and we were so excited about that. <laughs> and that just quickly, quickly just exponentially grew and to the point where at, um, in 2014, our peak average number of families that we served every week was 322. And um, yeah, and as the economy did improve after that, the numbers gradually started to go down, very gradual decline in the numbers of people we serve, which you would expect. And, um, and then, of course, right up to when COVID happened, and that was um, the need very much was still very real at that time. But with the um, with all the COVID reliefs, we did see some additional decline in numbers. But now that that COVID relief has ended, the numbers are starting to climb again. And um, this past year, 2023, we were able to serve 9,000 households and over 20,300 individuals, and we're averaging 184 families per week. And yeah, thank God, right? And what has been so fascinating to me to observe is that whether, no matter what time it's been, God has always provided the right amount, the right amount of financial help, the right amount of volunteer help, never too much and never too little. And so I just do want to comment there that, because I've seen mo you know, so many of you, practically all of you, I think, have been involved in helping at the pantry, either with your time, your finances, your prayer, and, and with God always making it work, if you're hearing that voice that says, you, I need to go down there to the pantry, listen, because I'm certain it is God's way of, you know, of providing, whether it's finances or your time or the need, you know, listen to that voice. Um, you know, last week, and Lana mentioned again just before about the Macedonians and chapter 8 of Corinthians and you know, and how it was so cool because they begged, they begged for the privilege to give and help um, their needy brethren. And they did it with, out of their poverty and with abundant joy. And this pantry provides us with the opportunity to be like them, to really be able to give and serve the our needy neighbors and that in the pantry. And we really do, all of you who've been down there and that you know, we receive so much more than we give. And the blessings just of being in God's will, knowing you're in God's will, you're doing what he wants. He wants the, us to be serving um, the needy. It's just such a huge blessing. And also just hearing the people who come through the pantry just profusely thanking us and blessing God and sometimes with tears 
um, because they're so thankful at the hard times they've fallen on and and then and they're so thankful that we're there. There's some additional more tangible proof even than those words that that it's meeting their need and and that they're really are grateful for it because I've heard from a few um, corporations in the past year who have told me that they chose our pantry to give donations to because one or more of their employees told them that we were there and helped them when they had fallen on hard times. Also, it was really cool to see um, just last month one of the... um, Pantry guests that we had served in the past sent in a generous donation because she's she's back on her feet now. So you know it it just means a lot to them and it's really needed. And um, so you know, and we know this giving like the Macedonians, which is so cool. We can be like them and like Christ. It doesn't just involve our finances; it involves a sacrifice of time. And so I do want to take this opportunity to thank you, I think virtually all of you, um, for the help that you've been to the pantry, either by being down there or praying for us, donating financial support. It really, really has caused many to give thanks to God, to give thanks to our magnificent and righteous God and that is just an, an amazing thing. And I see many of them, as they are walking out, they're going, God bless you guys. <laughs> so, and thank you, and God bless you guys. Thanks, Joe. So if you guys have any questions and want to get plugged in, you can talk to Joe or David or myself. There's always something to do. And as a church, you know, maybe not able to get down on a Wednesday, there's always odd projects that we can be doing uh, down there. There's just a lot. I just want to encourage you. If you don't see God doing stuff, do you guys know who got to see the first miracle of Jesus? Those who were serving. They got to see God, and God, it has been so cool. There's so many God stories over the years of what he's been doing at the pantry. And I think it's one of those ministries, guys, that's under the radar. You know, it's the heart of God. It's not about us. It's about him, you know. And you guys might be in a place, well, we don't do much. When did we give you a cup of cold water? Well, Jesus said you did that when you did it to the least of these, my brethren. And these are a lot of people that we just want to turn a blind eye to. There isn't really a problem. No, there's people that literally have no food in their cupboards, and it's just a blessing that God has opened up this door of opportunity to love and to serve people. So keep praying for the ministry. Uh, God's doing good things through it, and it is his heart. You know, he, you know, we lease that building for a buck a year, guys. I mean, it's so cool how God has just opened the door. He continues to provide literally thousands of pounds of food every week for 14 years. There were some weeks that were slim. And Dad, doesn't God always provide? Odd phone. Like one week, we don't have no food, you know. We just get a phone call like, hey, we got pallets. 
or Tyson, hey, we got a whole semi truck of chicken. You want like just the oddest things. We have no milk this week. Hey, we have all this chocolate milk. We don't know what to just. It's been so cool over the years just seeing God provide the needs. And it takes 30 to 40 volunteers every week to pull this off. So God's laying it on your heart. Step in. We'd love to uh, have you serve. So let's get back to 2 Corinthians 9. This will all tie in together. Um, it tells us in verse 7, okay, giving as uh, is individual. And it tells us, so let each one Catch this. Each one give as he purposes in his own heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's how we like to roll here at Freedom's, uh, Freedom Fellowship. We don't pass a basket. Some of you guys may be like, hey, why don't you take offerings here? God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, We don't want to force anybody to give grudgingly. For the first, I don't know, 12 years of church, we had bulletins every week, and we had this one verse, 2 Corinthians 9-7, on the bulletin every week, because that's what we really want to communicate, because this is God's heart when it comes to giving, okay? So, he says, each one. So at some point, you need to stop studying about giving, and you got to start giving, because we can know what God says about it, okay? We can have good teaching, okay? You're at Freedom Fellowship, we open the Bible, you guys know what's right. But you actually have to start doing it at one point. Also, giving is a personal decision. As he purposes. Did you guys see that? As he purposes. So it's a personal decision. So giving starts at home on your knees. And I would encourage you guys, be seeking the Lord. What do you want us to do? Where do we give our time and our talents? Okay, our treasure. What do you want, Lord? And make it a habit to do that. Okay, not on the foyer, you know, or through some emotional, you know, thing. You pray and you seek the Lord. What does He have? And make it a habit to decide there. And not if, uh, but when you remember here. Okay, so set it in your heart. And it is a heart issue. Look at. Uh, the latter part of verse 7 here, in his heart. So giving isn't so much how we give or how much we give, but how we give. So giving really is God. He looks at not the quantity, but really the, you know, the, the heart, the quality of the giver. That's what God's looking at. Okay? You guys remember the gal who gave two minus? I mean, she had nothing. Nothing. Pennies. That's all she had. But she gave everything she had. That honored God, okay, because he was looking at the heart. So it is a heart thing. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And that is also vice versa. So giving is not grudgingly nor by compulsion. Um, so I wish I could apologize for all the pastors and churches out there that take advantage and abuse the precious gift of giving. There's a lot of false teaching out there today, okay? Um, yeah, you give to get. That's not biblical. The prosperity gospel is a false gospel. That's not what the Bible teaches, guys. Um, so to give either grudgingly or of necessity is really to miss the whole blessing of giving. Do you guys get what God is getting at here for you and I? This is what we need to understand and get. But we're to be a cheerful giver because God loves a cheerful giver. Okay? 
God loves comes up twice in the Bible. The other one is Deuteronomy 23.5. What does God love? The giver, <laughs> okay? What's up with that? Why does God love it when we give? Because we are saying to him, hey, I believe you. I trust you. Without faith, guys, it's impossible to please God. That's why he loves that. So, God loves the hilarious giver. The Greek word for cheerful is hilaron. It's where we get the word hilarious. And that's how he wants us to give, guys. Hilarious, that it is a joy. One of the things I love, I don't know if you guys have traveled or done missions. Any of you guys have gone overseas to do missions? few? Yeah, I've been to South America, Central America a few times. Um, I've seen services. I have friends who are pastors over in Africa, and I love it, okay? Taking in their service, during their service, there is a time to bring their offerings, and it is a dance party. They're singing, they're dancing, they're cheerful, big smiles, they're excited. The rest of the service, they're not really smiling. But when it's time to give, they're just, it's like I think of this verse every time I'm watching my buddy's service over there. They hilariously give. Like they're so excited about being able to give to the Lord. And they don't really even have that much. But God's looking at the heart. And it is a joy for them to give. Now, let's look at verse 8. Okay, and I want you guys to note all the alls here. Okay, uh, nothing is left out. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So, do you read here, God will use you up and then throw you away? Not at all. Okay, I don't think. That's what God wants, okay? Because we don't see it taught in the scriptures. But it's actually packed with blessings, isn't it? Catch what God is wanting to communicate to you and I. And God is able. Stop and think just for a moment, okay? The present tense reminds us that he is continually able. And hasn't God been faithful? I can look back in my life. There's been some sacrifices made, okay? You want to be poor, go into ministry. So sacrifices are made, and there's times we face things like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to make our mortgage. Bills came up, unexpected doctor bills, car broke. You guys live life. Things come up you don't expect, right? But it's so cool because we can look back, and we've seen God's faithfulness. He's always provided, and especially in those times where we didn't know how it was going to work out. Is this even going to be doable? God, you're asking us to do this. I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to do it. Ever. I love hindsight. Because God is always faithful. 100% of the time, he is faithful. Even when it doesn't look like things are going to work out, guess what? He's always been faithful. So why do I trip any longer about things that might come up? He's got a pretty good track record. Always faithful. <laughs> so I love that God is able. So if you guys want to do a cool Bible study, look up all the God is ables in the Bible. You will be blown away. Pfft, God is so rad. So 
We just went from the immediate giver, okay, to focus on the ultimate giver. Do you guys see the transition? We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. What's that reference, Sonny? James 1.17, she's so smart. Her middle name is Teshura, which means gift from God. And this is the verse God gave me for my future wife one day. And then come to find out my future wife's middle name means gift from God. I'm like, ah, that's cool. Thanks, Lord. Every good gift. And she is a good gift. It also tells us here we are to abound. So the more than, you know, more than enough to an overflow. Okay, And have we grown in our giving? That's something I want to do as I mature in Christ. Okay, Hopefully I'm being sanctified and becoming more like him. And I want every year, I want to be a better giver. Okay, How does that look? And sometimes I've actually had to say no to some things I had been giving to to better give to something else that God's asking for. Again, you seek him. What does he have? So, I want you guys to jot down Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me, know this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that will not be room enough to receive it. Do you believe it? God has his heart. And we're not to test the Lord our God, except Malachi 3. Test me in this. Try to outgive me. It ain't going to happen. Like he has promised to take care of us. I love it, guys. In this all-sufficiency that we see, okay, it says all-sufficiency, actually self-sufficiency. Oh, not being independent from God, but a sufficiency that is independent of our external circumstances or other people. And humanly speaking, guys, the person who gives should be the person who loses, but that's not the case spiritually speaking. Do you guys see how upside down God's kingdom is? I love it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. How does that work? But how many of you guys can testify that's actually true? I've done the word of God, and he is totally right. It doesn't make sense. It's not how the world thinks. But you do God's word, and you're like, whoa, you're right, Lord. So when we do whatever measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Though this may be, it doesn't mean that we make a bargain with God, or we look at giving as a mean of purchasing some blessings for God, from God. But rather, I want you guys to catch this, we should look at giving as another way to show our love towards God. That's all it is. Lord, I'm willing to give them a cup of cold water. I'm willing to give them the clothes off my back. I'm willing to give because I love you. And how can we not? He loved us. Do you guys know that you were bought with a great price? God gave all of himself. And I think it is so good when we finally surrender all. You guys ever sing that song, I Surrender All? Have we? Because if you really have given your life to Christ, guess what? That involves everything you have, too. It's all yours, God. You're calling the shots. What do you want me to do with my house, my car, my stuff? It's all yours. Whatever. So we need to trust his word. And then verse 9. Here Paul's actually quoting Psalm 112, verse 9, to show that God blesses the person who is faithful in giving. Okay? 
The Message Bible puts it this way. They lavish gifts on the poor, a generosity that goes on and on and on, an honored life, a beautiful life. And there's something beautiful in giving. Okay? So verse 10, God not only supplies the seed, but even he will multiply it. And so many times, you can't see anything happening week to week. Spiritual growth, it takes place beneath the surface. It's being faithful. Okay? Well, I gave to the Lord one time. Nothing happened. Wrong thinking. Where was your heart in that? Was it biblical? Okay? It's one of those things, guys. God wants us to grow. And we should be becoming more and more like Jesus. So verse 11, if you want spiritual enrichment from your giving, you must practice enjoyment and be glad in the opportunity to give to bless other people's lives. Just as we learn to pray by praying, so we also learn how to give by giving, right? Practical. All right, let's wrap this up this morning. Verses 12 and on, this is giving in such a way that we're doing it for the glory to the honor of God, okay? The glory of God. Look at verse 12. For this administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Well, through the proof of the ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their praying for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. So in verses 12 to 14, God enriches us as we enrich others, and God receives the thanksgiving and the glory. Isn't that cool? Okay. Joe said, as the pantry guests leave, we have so many that just say, hey, God bless you guys, or praise God. I thank Jesus that you guys are here. That's what we love hearing, because it's not about us. It's about him. It's his heart. And when people see that it's his pantry, who's getting the glory? And some of you guys that are visiting this morning, we don't talk about the pantry a whole lot. It might be three, four months before we talk about the pantry again. It's not like the justice thing that we're all a part of here. It's just what we do as Christians, okay? It's not the thing. Jesus is the thing. That's why we uphold his word. That's why we teach the whole counsel of God. That's why we're willing to talk about Real things. You guys know some people don't like talking about money, but God talks about it a lot. He cares about what we do with our money because he cares about us, and he wants us to be set free. I see so many people, that's the thing they hold on to. Man can't serve two masters. They can't. And Jesus talks about the two masters as either himself or money. And for that reality, it's the reality of most people, isn't it? The reason why they won't bow the knee to Jesus is because they're holding on to their money. That's what they're living for. You guys know you can't take it with you. You guys know that when you get a lot of money, it's not going to make you happier. I've talked to rich people. You know what they want in life? More money. It's never enough. When is enough? Because if you're living for it, it's not going to fulfill you. So, oh, 
glory of God. Did we look at verse 15? Now let's wrap it up. Paul closes his chapter with a shout of praise. Look at verse 15. Okay, so this gift, of course, is who? Jesus. Isn't that the cool part? The greatest gift ever. This is what Paul is bringing us to. Look to him. And the giver, of course, is who? God the Father, the greatest giver. For God so loved the world, he did what? Gave his only begotten son, the greatest gift of all time. I have nothing. Do you have Jesus? You got everything. Man, you have eternity waiting for you in heaven. Okay? And isn't that cool to think about? God gave his only son that we may have eternal life in him, to know him, to be set free from our sins, to be given this gift of eternal life, to get to go to heaven. Okay? It's not just about getting to heaven someday. Do you guys know that the reality of heaven he wants in us now? We get to live in eternal realities now. And it's not about getting all glory is to be given to God. You guys understand that? Love me. Love others. There's a giving that has to be associated with loving. Because love is a verb, isn't it? It's an action. It's something we do. I love you, God. I give to your glory. I love my neighbor who never mows their lawn. And when they rake, they put the leaves in my yard. But I'm going to love them and serve them. All right. I want to, we got a little bit of time. I want to share a story from Max Lucado. He wrote this book, No Wonder They Call Him Savior. And I love this story. Longing to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, Christina wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home, having only a pallet on the floor a wash basin in a burning stove. She dreamed of a better life in the city. One morning, she slipped away, breaking her mother's heart, knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter. Maria hurried, packed to go to find her. And on her way to the bus stop, she stopped at the drugstore to get one last thing. Pictures. She sat in a photograph booth, closed the curtain, spent all she could on pictures of herself. With her purse full of these small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money, and she also knew that her daughter was so stubborn to give up that when pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to all of them. And at each place, she left her picture taped on the bathroom mirror tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to the corner of a phone booth. And on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. 
It wasn't too long before both money and pictures ran out and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that a young, that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade those countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. And she reached the bottom of the stairs, and her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mom. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened. She walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. She's dead. You guys, as we open the scripture, the picture we have is of the sun hanging upon a tree, shedding his blood for you and I. It's God's way of saying whatever you've done, whatever you've become, doesn't matter. Please come home. You guys see, this is what grace giving is all about. This is what a chapter in the Bible about money is all about. Grace never points a condemning finger, never reads us the riot act. Grace comes to us in the darkness and accepts us in our sin. Grace stoops where we are, and it lifts us up to where we ought to be. Grace is always greater than our own resources, our own pain, our own need, and even our own sin. The grace of God really is the perfume that permeates from his word, guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We thank you this morning for your word. It is holy. It is perfect. It is yours. And we are so grateful that it is grace-packed. In your grace, God, it's not just for us. God, it is a grace that you desire, Father, to share with this whole world. It is a grace that you are asking each one of us as your kids, as believers, to share with this world. And we want to do that well. We want to keep growing in it. We want to keep sharing it, Father. We want to keep believing and standing in the truth of what your word says. We thank you for how you love us. 
We thank you that you always welcome us home. God, help us. Help us to love, to give, to serve, just to follow you well. Because you've been so good to us, God. We can't keep it to ourselves. There are a lot of Christinas in the world that are just stuck, that had hoped for so much more. There's so much evil and pain as a result of our rebellion and our sin. God, we are sorry. But we know that you're the remedy. God, and what a gift it is. We praise you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So, if you guys are visiting this morning, um, pastor doesn't normally cry. Just to let you know, we don't talk about the pantry a whole lot. But that's the reality of the gospel, guys. It never gets old. I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. I don't care if you're 80. Does it ever get old, sister? Nothing better. Nothing better. I love you guys. Have a great week in the Lord. Lord willing, we'll see you back. Can I give you a preview real quick of next week? Listen carefully. This is in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. I'm pretty stoked. It's going to be cool. We have this verse found. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We get to cover that next week, guys. You're not going to want to miss it. And it wraps up the chapter by saying that he who glories, glory in the Lord. And what a God to glory in. Amen? Cool. God bless you guys.